Yes, guys, it's Luke Telma, and I'd like to welcome you to The Crunch. The podcast for health, fitness, mindset, success, and more. Let's get into today's episode. Yes, guys, welcome to episode seven of The Crunch podcast with myself, Luke. Today, I have another fantastic guest on the show. It is Mr. Aaron Sidwell. Whoop, whoop, whoop. <laughs> How you doing, mate? I'm good, mate. How are you? I'm very well. I feel like we haven't seen or spoke in a long while, so this was overdue anyway. Yeah, man. Yeah, it's been ages. It's been absolutely ages. Uh, well, you've been off around the world. Um, sort of. Yeah, yeah, kind of. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you've been fairly uh, busy as well, starting up a bit more now, right? Or... Yeah, it's looking like it. Uh, obviously, the pandemic um, really hit my business, you know, predominantly live theatre. So yeah. it, it's slowly, it's slowly creeping back in. We were allowed outside, now we're yeah. allowed inside, you know, and, and so it's starting to get there, but um, still a long way to go. Yeah, I can imagine. And obviously, mate, for people that don't know who you are, aren't familiar with your work, did you want to give just like a quick intro on, you know, who you are, what you've done? And why are you yeah. so <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so um, I, I'm probably best known for um, my time in EastEnders. I played a character called Stephen Beale. Um, and I was there sort of on and off for 10 years. Um, but uh, I've had quite a diverse career, really. Like, I've done a lot of uh, theatre, lots of musicals in the West End. Did um, Green Day's American Idiot. Uh, did a, Weirdly did a concert version of Grease 2, which was, you know, quite a big hit. Um, and then mixed in with that, like bits and bobs of other telly shows and, and some Shakespeare to boot as well. So it's been quite, um, yeah, quite a little bizarre, diverse career I've had. Yeah, I was going to say, there's quite a few different sort of dynamics of, of characters that you've, uh, that you've done there, right? Which is crazy. Um, so today, obviously, for people that don't know, I know Aaron from the gym. Uh, funnily enough so I think it just came about just training together at one time we was just ended up chatting and ended up doing training sessions together and then hearing a lot about your different roles and one of the things that I wanted to touch on first which I thought was really quite mind-boggling was that as you said you had so many different types of characters but they all actually required different types of performance and energy and that actually links to your workouts in the gym right yeah absolutely so um Around the time that we met, I was I was back on EastEnders, um, hence why I could afford a David Lloyd gym membership. And yeah, and I was really looking to sort of um, to sort of like lean down. I've always been like a super energetic person um, and stamina has never been too much of an issue. But uh, I was looking to sort of get in that uh, that TV uh, shape, I suppose. Um, trying to find some abs <laughs> from somewhere. So, um, so yeah. So I started. I started taking my training quite seriously, which was one of the reasons that I did join um, David Lloyd. Is that at the time um, I, I needed the mindset of that gym. I needed the kind of um, the social aspect as well to sort of really draw me in. Um, 
And I really liked that about about that place and how how you could just sort of be training on your own with your headphones in, or you could actually not put any headphones in and still do your own session, but just be chatting to people as you go, uh, which I really liked about the place. Um, And yeah, naturally, you and I got uh, got chatting and then we chuck in the odd session. I remember a few leg days. Um, oh, they were the worst. I remember they were you the worst. Like, hey, legs tomorrow, and I'm like, mm, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, helps, right. Which is what you're saying is that when you're with people as well, it just gets that motivation and that push. Maybe you wouldn't have had. So, yeah, definitely. I think that um, I think where I've developed and where I've grown now is that I I can just train on my own, and I and I generally do. Um, but back then, I really did need someone sort of either show me different tips and techniques or or someone cracking the whip a little bit behind me you know um and uh particularly in in, in training elements i think in terms of nutrition I, I wasn't there yet like mentally i wasn't in the place that i could you know um work on my own in terms of nutrition but actually even in my training like i still needed someone kind of there yeah of course so what would you say differed between EastEnders roles and maybe like West End show roles, maybe something like the Macbeth or Wicked. How would your training differ? I think that would be really interesting for people to know. So I think with EastEnders, obviously it was a lot less about stamina and it was much more kind of aesthetic. Like, you know, I I was going for quite a specific look. My character kind of really struggled with mental health issues. And so um, I, I never quite wanted to look too sort of like healthy. And happy uh <laughs> it's strange it, right when you think about really it. weird yeah. it is really really weird so um with something like that so much of what i was doing was was about my nutrition um and so i started working with uh, another local guy called ashley ling who was amazing who was yeah, Ash as well yeah so extreme so extreme like um and 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 he sort of really put me on a, a quite strict plan and i lost loads of weight um which weirdly never quite caused that much concern with the people that I was working with because they saw what I was eating and actually how often I was eating so they were just like oh he's losing weight because of what he we don't need to worry he's eating fine it's just that he's eating like like basic basic like caveman (laughs) food um so so with that yeah it was it was kind of about that whereas with something say like Macbeth where I was playing uh I was playing a soldier um I played a soldier earlier in the year as well I'd done Henry V um with that I I I really wanted to um to have something because I'm not I'm not the tallest guy I'm I'm like five foot nine and on stage actually that can that can look pretty short um so I wanted to I wanted to feel strong I wanted to like be strong and so I was eating a lot and I was lifting sort of heavier weight and my cardio is much more limited to sort of like, you know, fasted in the morning. Um, but it was really, it, it was more for me mentally to feel strong when I was playing a role like that than when I was doing something like extenders. I wanted to feel a bit frail and a bit weak. So it's almost like the training had sort of a direct correlation to how you needed to feel in real life. And that affected how it came across on stage or on TV, right? Oh, massive. I mean, the, the biggest example of that is when I was doing uh, American Idiot, um, where I was playing uh, a drug addict um, and somebody who would have lost 
a lot of weight in a very unhealthy way in a very quick period of time. And so for me to psychologically get to places that I needed to get to, I, I couldn't have too many calories in my body because that makes you feel comfortable and it makes you feel happy. And so I would have to, I'd have to really limit, you know, sort of like to the extremes of like, I'd have like 600 calories before work that day, which work was sort of like eight o'clock at night. And so then I'd have something to eat wow. after the show. Um, and working in and around that also exercising and training and doing that show eight times a week that was really full on. Um, it was, you know, and it, it, it was a dark period in my life. Like, I'm not going to lie. Like personally, it took a huge toll. It took a huge toll, but um, it was something I needed to do at the time for myself as a, as a professional. And, um, and it, and it, you know, it worked like it's, it's horrible to say that it worked, but it really worked. I find that so interesting and I can only commend you for that because the, the way I look at it with my job, obviously I'm trying to say, be positive and empower people and keep that level of, you know, do good and feel good all the time. But with you, you have to be the opposite of that to be successful, which is such a mm. weird paradox, right? And it's, for me, that's a really hard thing to get my head around that your success is based on maybe doing the opposite of what's seen as healthy. Um, yeah absolutely i mean you hear like you know i was listening to christian bale talk about this who obviously again like he does really extreme stuff when he's doing jobs and uh and he was talking about how his family feel about certain roles because you know they can linger or they can take a while for him to get away from and you know he was sort of he he did that really extreme thing of going from the machinist where he was like no one should be that that skinny and uh and then to playing like six months later playing batman you're like it's just, just like you're gonna die at 60 do you know what i mean like there's no way you can carry on doing yeah. this yourself but his family really talking about you know yeah there's some characters that we're happy to stay around for a bit and there's some characters that we want gone as soon as possible i think the same would probably be true maybe not with my kids wouldn't necessarily feel that way but certainly my partner would feel that way of kind of going are you going to do a happy role next and I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll do one more meeting next. Yeah. Well, how do you sort of communicate things like that? I mean, do you just sort of prepare her and say, listen, I've got this role coming up, so I'm probably going to be a bit of a dick <laughs> for a little yeah. while. <laughs> okay, Basically, really. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, I think um, around the time that I was doing EastEnders, she was working away a lot. So it didn't impact her as much. It might impact her when we would speak on the phone, but like certainly like, you know, it was evident that like playing that kind of role, especially in that environment, because in that environment, you know, I went, it's so bizarre because it is like, you're just living an, an alternate life because you're living <laughs> someone's day to day. It's changing every single day rather than say doing American idiot, where it was the same thing every day. I was doing the same kind of sequence of events every day. This was just like living someone else's life with a baby and a fiance and a <laughs> mum and dad. Like it's really odd. Um, so yeah, just in in terms of prep preparation, I suppose. Like for her, I do kind of, you know, uh, she she can kind of see the signs going in, and we'll have a little discussion. I'll be like, yeah, you know, this one's probably going to take this from me, and um but it's rare like it is it is you know it's sort of like once every couple of years we sort of encounter this kind of character um i think with something like henry v it was just so full-on it just demanded all of me so it wasn't that it necessarily had a massive effect on who i was it just meant that i was gone like you know <laughs> yeah what things would you do for yourself going from 
you know, knowing that you're Aaron and then you have your character and they're two maybe different mindsets and people, what did you do to create sort of a separation between being, say, Stephen Bill and then finding a, a point where you can be a bit more away from that? Was there anything that you found that you did or that helped mindset wise? I think it's, uh, I think it's a tricky one because I think that without meaning it to, it, it certainly bled into my, you know, whether it was just that I was dressing in a similar way off as I would on set, you know, like it's a weird one where particularly at a show like that, they, they try and keep it close to you. Um, which for some people is fine because some people are playing just really normal, ordinary people. But for someone like my character, um, I, I did probably need a bit more of a degree of separation away from that and, and who I was. Um, but then they do, they do tailor certain things, like I say, like you, whether it's the way that your character speaks or whether it's the way that they dress or who they interact with. I think for me, I just made a conscious effort when I was off the floor to be really kind of uh, fun <laughs> and, like, and, and, and chatty and, 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 and silly. But, um, you know, there's times where you I come home from work and, I'd have had a day, do you know what I mean? I'd have had like, I'd have had a day of like, you know, extreme sort of uh, emotions with the character and, you know, they'd probably stay with me for a little while. Um, and it's, uh, it, it's tricky. It certainly makes you choose um, once you've done things like that, what you what kind of characters you want to play and who you're willing to play. And, and specifically, um, when you choose those kind of projects, they really need to be something that you you love because you know it's going to take that much from you. You need to be able to to kind of go, but it's okay because I love going into work every day and I love, you know, it, yeah, it kills me, but I love that it kills me. Like if you don't yeah. like the job, then the negativity just really can just overwhelm you. I can imagine that happening, especially when, as you said, you've got such long days where you've got maybe a lot of scenes or a big scene coming up that it is going to take a lot of energy out of you. And the way I use it is energy is because it is like you're giving it your all. Like you can't go into something like that, you know, half-hearted at all. Mm. I think that's what's great uh, going back to kind of the fitness element of it, which is very, very similar, is that when you go into the gym, like for example, let's take our leg days we used to do. We both know going in, that this is going to kill. I ain't going to like this, but I know that I'm going to love the energy that I get from doing this and being with, say, yourself at the time. And it's worth it. And you come out of it feeling better for it. And I think that's something that's very similar with, say, the acting and the training. You've got to love what you do and have passion for it, even though it may really hurt at the time. Yeah. I think that's where a lot of people, in terms of careers or training, end up going wrong, is that they go into something half-heartedly they don't give it a lot of passion and energy and they don't end up getting, you know, the result, whatever that may be at the end of it. And I, I always think the passion side of it, as you said, you've got to love it and enjoy it to get you know, the best result possible, um, which is what you did with your characters because I didn't, well, correct me if I'm wrong. Was there a certain scene where you had like, didn't you come down in a towel or something like that? Yeah. <laughs> I remember uh, been loads of abs one time. I was like, why are you doing so much abs? He was like, yeah, well, <laughs> Got a towel scene. I was like, oh, okay. 
So was, um, it, it weirdly kind of worked out in this because I'd started this program with Ash. It's 12, 20, you know, 12 weeks. It was really, it was, it was, it was extreme. And, and, and we can talk about extremity because I think that kind of ties into what you were just talking about there about like, you know, how people can give up sometimes. Um, but this, I jumped onto this very extreme program with Ash and um, my, uh, my, my partner was going to work in Canada at the time in Toronto. Um, and I'd been given five days to go out there and see her. And I'd been on this like 12 week program. It just timed up and I was like, oh, we're going to finish this 12 weeks. And then I've got five days in Toronto, like amazing. And the studio just went mad because they were like, whoa, 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 whoa this is when your storyline's going on. Like, how are we going to, how are we going to do this? And they had to write a week's worth of episodes in which I was, my story was the central story of that week where every single scene of mine took place in one location so that we could film an entire week's worth of scenes with me in, in two days. Um, and it, it basically culminated in this scene where I was in this town and the next day I was going to Toronto. And so like, it was, it was actually, it was actually perfect because it, I found this out about the eight week mark. And at the eight week mark, I was like, oh man, what am I doing this for? <laughs> like I'm really waiting. Just once, I just want a burger. Like this is crazy. <laughs> and, um, and then this scene popped up and Ash was like, perfect. That's now we've got this goal. Now we've got this, this is what you're working towards. You're working towards the scene you come downstairs. And I was like, oh yeah, yeah, okay. And the worst, the worst part about it was, was the 24 hours leading up to it where, you know, Ashley, who, um, who competed physically at the time, was like, right, now we need to go through a whole dehydration process. Now we need to deal with it. And it was just crazy. But the results were insane. Like what 12 did you weeks. Do, sorry, just to interrupt you there. What did you do with that? Did you, because for people that may not know how that works, so you dehydrate, but also was it carbs that you adjusted as well, sort of dropped and, and reloaded and stuff like so, that? Through the, through the 12 weeks, I started off with the basic plan and actually my body responded phenomenally to the, to the original plan. So we only took stuff out because I was like, do you know what? I'm not really enjoying this. Um, but through the 12 weeks, Ash was just sort of like taking this out and taking that out, you know, but it was more, my weight was going down every week. So it was fine. And my body composition was really good. So it was just, it was, it was fine. And then when we hit the dehydration process, it was like, I've been drinking four and a half liters of water a day, which sounds like mental but actually I was kind of used to that as a singer because as a singer you so much about hydration uh, and hydrating your vocal folds you know is, is about kind of making sure that your entire body is hydrated because then water will be sent to your vocal folds so it wasn't a, an alien thing to me but then it was just this process if I can remember of like yeah we sort of the meals adjusted in the 24 hours around what I did. So like the night before I had like a super like salty dinner, yeah. like, you know, and it was like, just take your rice and just cake it and salt. Like, <laughs> and then I think, and I don't drink anymore, but at the time I drank and I had two, two glasses of red wine. And then I swear to God, I was up all night. Just, <laughs> <laughs> all night. Just, because 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 your body's so full of water and then you you introduce all these things to dehydrate it it then uses all the stores of water that's in your body and it's just about clear basically just like emptying yourself of that and then like i think breakfast was like steak and eggs again like pretty salty things 
um, sips. It was like sips, tiny little sips of water. I think maximum I could drink in like a 24 hour period was like half a liter, which when you've gone from four and a half liters a day is just like insane. But I remember like not feeling particularly thirsty or like my body needed it because it was just using all the water that was already there. Mm. Um, and then when you see yourself, you go like, oh my God. And it's, and someone compared it to me. They were like, it's that first day on holiday, you know, where you've like, you sat in the sun a bit, but also you've gone out there and you've just like, you've had a few drinks and like you wake <laughs> up the next day and you go, oh, I'm, I'm shredded. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's literally that. Um, so yeah, like the, re- the results were just, were crazy, absolutely crazy. Um, without, you know, without starving myself like this was you know completely other end to where i'd done american idiot where i was you know starving really starving myself a lot of the time uh and taking a huge effect on myself psychologically this was um not about starving myself but it was about sort of abstaining from things yeah um which is why it's a 12-week program and not a way of life it's so extreme that you can't live like that. No one can live like that. It's, and if you do, then like, what's the point? Because it's just so yeah. not fun. Well, you do it for X result, whether it's a holiday yeah. or an event or like you had with your topless scene and you got the result that you wanted. But obviously Ash knows his stuff and he would have known that after that there would have been adjustments that need to be made to kind of get you back to normality. Mm. Um, unless you had another scene coming up the next day and he's like, I need these. Well, this is the thing. They they were just (laughs) chucking them in all the time then. Um, (laughs) But what I learned through that actually was just, just the basics of nutrition, just the basics of kind of like in versus out and, you know, calorie deficits and, and what, what was on my food and like, and, and, and what I was actually putting in my body and the purpose of putting it in my body. And, you know, particularly based around, my training and this was um oh god this would have been like just over three years ago now yeah i've never i've never put the weight back on like it's that, never ever ever gone back on that's why it's so important to learn and understand the whys because a lot of people mm. do this because they hear it or they see on instagram but if you go and ask them why are you doing this they usually don't know and i think people will like yourself as you said it's a very big contrast from when you did american idiot that you literally starve yourself. But knowing how you do nutrition now, do you think you would have used that same approach just because of the mental side or knowing your, your knowledge, do you think you would have maybe taken a slightly different approach? I think, I think what I'd have eaten would have been slightly different. Um, I think that, you know, I probably would have, uh, had a greater amount of slow released carbohydrates in the morning i probably would have like made sure that you know the 400 calories or whatever i was having before work was like porridge like just so that like yeah. that so would just release throughout the day efficiently yeah and i think that um i, th- I think that the, the trouble i had with something like american idiot is that i didn't have 12 weeks i had like six um okay. And, I, and where I was starting from was much further back than where I was when I was doing something like EastEnders. Um, so I, 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 think it's, I think it's tricky. I think um, at the time, I think I did what I could do. Um, I think now I, I probably would have made sure that what I was eating was just um, 
nutrient dense rather than calorically dense like i would have made sure that i was basically living off of like salad and a bit of protein just the whole time and being able to spread that out more continuously throughout the day oh for sure and also well you'll know as well for example going back to when you used to eat 600 calories you could have quite easily had a packet of crisp and a chocolate bar like a meal deal mm. and that would have been you done but that won't last for anything, especially when you're doing a performance that requires that much energy. Yeah. So I think it's almost like you've been on your own journey as well. With even if you're going to change your nutrition for a particular role, you can still do it in a smart way than maybe just your standard, oh, I won't eat then, which I think we both know is not the greatest way to do it at all. No, you know, your body goes into starvation mode and it starts when you do put something in it starts like clinging onto it for dear life to make sure <laughs> you basically stay alive like it's um yeah kind of like learning um le- learning more as i went about about the you know the, just the idea of of energy you know was was something um for me that was just really uh, key and was just kind of going right like i feel I feel like I'm waning a bit here. I could, yeah, absolutely like just shove a chocolate bar in and probably get a quick sugar kick, but it's not going to last. It's, you know, it's like, it's like energy drinks, isn't it? It's just like, it's just that, that, that like immediate burst. And actually, yeah, maybe I could like knock back an energy, energy drink like 10 minutes before I go on stage. And for the hour and a half that I'm doing that show, like I'll probably be okay. But you know, at, at kind of like what cost for after the hour and a half, like when I'm, you know, like officially dead. <laughs> I was, was going to say that actually, has the, the nutrition side of it ever negatively affected a performance or is it always when you're in the zone and you're on stage or you're on set, you're a pro, you get it done, but it's after that it hits or has it ever happened sort of whilst you've been doing a show or something? Um, not, that, not that I can recall. I can't ever remember sort of like, doing i think i think matinees are tricky things i i am uh i i tend to set myself like a really un unreasonable level of energy as i'm putting something together and i think like anything almost through routine when something is something it becomes very hard to sort of like do it in any other way yeah um and i particularly found this when i was doing wicked where uh you know a two show day there was you know was a really long day like I'd start work at sort of like half past one and I'd finish work at you know half ten at night but then I've also depending on where I am in the country because I was touring I've then got to like travel home um and what I what I found is that a, like a one show day was just a really achievable thing like absolutely no problem at all but what I really struggled to do was to sort of go, right, it's a two-show day. I need to adjust my training around this two-show day. I'd be like, no, 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 just double down. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, you know, I'd be, like, getting up earlier, do a bit of hit in the morning, walk to the gym, train, you know, like, train my, like, lats or whatever, and then, like, go do a two-show day and then be like, right, now I've got sort of, like, an hour and a half between shows, so keep active like and i'll go back to the gym like do another session on something do a show and then get home that night and just be like i'm dead like i'm just <laughs> done like i've got no i've got i haven't got the energy to talk to anyone and so i'd like to think that at 
you know, sort of like 30 minutes to go before that show finished that my energy level was no different from where it started. But, you know, I think I'm a human and, and like it, it, it's, it's tricky. And I think sometimes, uh, I remember getting a tweet once where I basically tweeted, we'd done a nine show week this one week, they chucked in an extra matinee. And um, I remember tweeting and just saying like, amazing work to my company this week. Like, you know, smash the ninth show like it was our first. And someone was like, someone tweeted back kind of going, well, that's how it should be. And I was like, but I'm a human being as well. Like, you know, <laughs> like, yeah. you know, my voice will get tired. My body will get tired. My mind will get tired. I might make a stupid mistake and like, but actually that audience member has paid, could have paid like a hundred quid to see that show because it's a Saturday night. And so yeah. they absolutely should get, get the same from me. So it's up to me to make sure that my voice has the stamina required and my body has the stamina required, but also that my mind has the stamina required. And so my nutrition absolutely there has to, has to play a part. It has to be a case of where I'm going. I have to look after myself. And that's why we get paid a little bit more is, is because that is a huge requirement on us. And also I think what's really inspiring there is that you talk so casually about, oh, I was doing two shows a day and I was going to the gym. And some people still have the excuse that they can't train in their normal day. And I'm like, right, this guy is doing shows that are very, very, you know, intense, right? Mm. So I love how you still have the mindset of going, I have to train. I have to keep my body on top of this, even though tonight I'm going to go and do this. I think that's, mm. it's really inspiring, you know, because it's, it's so easy for you to potentially go, well, I don't need to train today because I'm doing, I'm doing this. Yeah. But that's not the case, right? I think, as you know, it's all about that mindset of setting a standard of consistency and going, right, even if I'm doing two shows, I've still got to fit this in. And, you know, that's probably, again, why professionally, why your performances never did slack because you always had such a high standard that it never really dropped. It just continuously went, right, I've got to up my game. And I think um, uh, what, I've, what I've found just, you know, as I've kind of... Uh, growing up is that I I have these standards and I place these standards upon myself and the danger is that I place these standards on like other people you know right. and I go no 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 I am ridiculous like I know that I'm I know that I'm ridiculous and I know that um that psychologically going to the gym has become something that is actually a necessity for me like psychologically to to feel good that day to feel like I've done what I should have done. I've, you know, I've met requirements of myself and stuff. If I don't do it, then I sit there on the sofa and I just go, nah, like I, I'm not happy with myself today. And actually I get into a poor place psychologically. Whereas trying to put that expectation on other people, you know, whether it be my partner or my kids or like the, my colleagues isn't necessarily fair because I, I, I have set myself a really high standard that I expect myself to meet. And you, you know, and I think that, I I've noticed that in the gym sometimes with certain people where they like they've set themselves a standard and they expect everybody that hits that gym floor to meet that standard and they really judge people if they're not and I think that I think that can drive people out away from the gym and can make people feel insecure in the gym and can and um and yeah it's always um it's always something that's really played on my mind whenever I've been in the gym is just kind of make sure that like 
you know, whether it's that I'm talking to the lady on the front desk and she's like back again. And I'm like, Oh yeah, no, I know I'm a robot. Like, you know, <laughs> uh, you know, or like whoever, I just make sure that like people know that like I expect that standard of myself, but from nobody else do I expect that standard. I think that's really good to set yourself high standards. And I think as a trainer, that's something I do as well, being the motivator, you know, you've got to put mm. that energy onto people. But I also think the flip side of that, and, and I agree that you shouldn't necessarily put it on everyone, but some people need and like having your sort of energy around because it brings their level up a notch. Because if you're doing all this stuff and keeping busy and they're quite lazy to come along and, and be a bit robotic with it can be quite infectious to certain people as well. On the flip side, they go, wow, like, I should be doing that. <laughs> yeah. I should be more robotic. And I think I like that. And I think that's, again, why I gravitated around you because you were telling me about your busy days and your scenes and everything else, but you're still messaging me to do a leg day. And I've just got to <laughs> around and go five more, 10 more, get lower. And I'm like, okay, I can't say no. Like, so for me, that, quite funnily enough, that was infectious for me because I was, I was like, what excuse could I give him to say, no, I'm not up for legs today? You'd be like, <laughs> Itch, like yeah. <laughs> so although you shouldn't expect it i do think it also can be good and positive as well but i guess as you said that comes from experience um gauging where you give that energy more towards uh than others because some people it really does just do the the complete opposite so at the moment where are you currently with work since the pandemic because i think we've been speaking a lot about the past things you've done but that was as you said like almost three years ago so i know actually the pandemic hit your industry quite hard so what have you been doing from then to to now so um i kind of uh scratched my head for a bit uh because i was doing a i was doing a one-man show um which was this humongous challenge that i'd kind of undertaken um and I'd done four previews and for anybody that doesn't know, previews are shows that we do where we charge the audience a bit less. And then it's before we officially open, which is when the press can come in and review us. So it gives us a time to like iron out, you know, various bits and bobs, try different things, particularly with the show that I was doing. It was about working with the audience and it, it's a, it was a bit like a stand up comedy show in, in a way. Um, and so we just kind of like ironed out all the kinks. We were like ready to go. I had one more preview to do. And then the press were coming in and things were turning as we did it. You know, throughout rehearsals, we were kind of like, oh God, what's all this rubbish everyone's going on about? And, uh, and then it was like, oh, maybe I should start using some hand gel. And then it, and then it became like, um, you know, oh, like 20 people didn't turn up tonight for the show. Um, and then it was just, you know, you could, I sort of look at the audience and, and just see the tension kind of in people's faces of kind of going like, oh, I'm not sure if I should be sitting so close to this person next to me. And then the next thing we knew, um, the Monday, I had this, I had the Sunday and the Monday off and I was supposed to go back in on the Tuesday and on the Monday, um, Boris Johnson basically said, you know, don't go to theatres. And so he effectively closed us. So we were like, right, okay. So I chatted to the theater. They were like, it shouldn't be too long and then we'll be back, you know? Um, and, uh, and then the following Mondays when we were officially in lockdown. So we had this kind of extra week added on top of it. Um, 
uh, my partner was doing um, a show in the West End called Dear Evan Hansen and she went into work on the Monday and they were basically just turned around and sent home like that's it you know they've shut us down for a bit um, so there was just this there was this kind of couple of weeks where we weren't really sure what what was going on Trisha was on you know constant kind of back and forth phone calls with New York to you know for them to see because obviously the the money involved in the West End is so extreme. Um, and for me, it, it, it just kind of felt like it wouldn't be that long. And then we'd be, we'd be back, you know, cause, cause I was doing a one man show, you know, there's only me and, uh, and it's only a small auditorium, so we should be all right. And then as time started to go on, I realized that this isn't going to turn around too quickly. So I need to do something. And so I contacted a theater that I'd done Henry V at, um, they were in real trouble and I just said, look, anything I can do, let me know. And they were like, well, what are you thinking? And I was like, oh, okay. Uh, well, maybe I could, um, maybe I could, I had a chat with, um, my director from Henry V and he was like, well, why don't we do something Shakespeare based? And I was like, yeah, sounds perfect. So we went back to them and they were like, amazing. We decided to come up with putting Shakespeare's characters into lockdown. And so the people doing speeches, the really, really famous speeches, but in these new scenarios, in these new ways. And um, we contacted all the previous cast that had worked at the theatres and their directors. And the response was in, insane. We had third, all of a sudden we had 35 actors and we had like something like 17 directors working with them. And Crazy. we created this series and it blew up. Like I've never seen anything take off in this way. Um, that I was part of and we are now um on Monday which will be the 14th um we are now about to release the third series of that and we've got you know just massive British actors taking part in it now like you know people from Netflix series and you know BBC dramas and like it's just it's just blown up and the response has been incredible um and then we also got the, the green light to do open air. So me and a couple of friends, including my partner, um, put together a six person hour long, socially distanced Midsummer Night's Dream. And we toured cricket grounds doing that. Um, oh, and we did that for two and a half weeks and, you know, all made some, all made some decent money. And, and now we're kind of at this point where we can go back into theatre uh, just socially distanced. Now for a lot of theatres, that's not financially viable. Um, but it's looking like for mine, it, it will be. So um, in a couple of weeks, well, the, the beginning of October, I'm going back to do the one man show. So that's Amazing. kind of where we've ended up at now, you know, is it's, it's, it's really slowly, but surely it, it's just creeping back in. It will be the bigger spaces that take a lot longer to come back because, you know, the markup in something like the West End, uh, when I was doing Wicked, for example, when we were on tour, we were sold out like every night. And sometimes that's like, you know, I think in um, when we were in Edinburgh, we'd be sold out every night in Edinburgh. Edinburgh is um, nearly 3,000 seats. So you'd just be like, gee, like, how much money are you making? And I had yeah. a chat with the producer. And he was like, we don't actually make profit until the eighth show of the week. Because of so, the running costs. Because of the running costs of it. So the you're eighth talking show. the eighth show. So, I mean, that's, you know, still, if they're sold out, that's, that is quite a profit. That is quite a profit to make on, on, on the eighth show. But still, you're like, you're talking about like, you know, this, that's, that's, that's crazy. How can you have that kind of financial markup? Because what if you don't sell out? What are you making? And, and a lot of these shows, 
you know, break even most, they didn't break even most of the time. And, um, and they, they make their money on advertising or whatever, but like the shows itself break, breaks even. So if you're talking about social distancing, Western theatre, you're talking about them running at a loss. Yeah, it's more financially viable for them to stay shut. Like, you know, yeah. it's crazy. So it will take a while. I think, you know, a huge thing is going to be this testing. Um, what is it? Moonshot or whatever he's, Boris has called it. Um, <laughs> something like that. Uh, <laughs> that's going to be a huge thing because if people are walking around knowing that they're negative and you can rest assured that if people were going into a theatre, they've had a negative test that morning. That's yeah. that's um and the other thing will be a vaccine you know once those things are back you know we'll be back in football stadiums we'll be back in theaters we'll be back in but it's um it's been a tricky time it's been a really 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 tricky time uh especially for self-employed you know we've been treated i in my opinion quite unfairly um and uh and so it's been it's been a weird and, and, and tricky time but it has been for everybody and and for me particularly when we're talking about mindset and things like that I I just couldn't sit here and do nothing. I couldn't, you know, at, at 31 years of age, take a year out potentially of my career and just not grow and not develop and not make new connections and not make, you know, not meet new, meet new people and have discussions, important discussions. I needed to keep that ball rolling. Um, and so I did. <laughs> I just kind of made that's it all, That's all you could do is, is make it happen. And I think that's one thing that a lot of people... I think need to hear and also act upon in times like this, because there's a lot of people that, you know, have had difficulties maybe with jobs or things changing, but your whole industry literally shut down. So mm -hmm. it would have been very easy for you and other people to sit there and go, Oh, well, I can't do anything. And it would have been so many valid, you know, justifications as to why you can't do anything. But the fact that you, from a mindset perspective said, right, I can't not do anything. So you had to think a bit more laterally outside the box and you come up with something that that was amazing. And I think so many people need to take action from that because there's a lot of people sitting on their ass and not doing much and moaning, which you can, but you've got to do something. And it's been the same with me with PT, you know, with, as you know, what I do is one-to-one. -one. There were so many people that just didn't want to see me one-to-one -one because of COVID. Yeah. But I can't sit and go, oh, well, I have no clients now. So I'm just going to, you know, do some push-ups in the garden. I needed to do different things and I, I commend you for that, that you, you come up with something and, and made it work. I think that's all you can do in this sort of period of time. And that would develop you from a mindset perspective, but I'm guessing for you as well as an actor from a thought process perspective, you must've, you know, evolved how you thought, um, which maybe you wouldn't have had if this didn't happen. Yeah, I think so. I think that, um, I think it's very easy uh, in modern day life to have an idea and then the current just comes along and just sweeps you along. And, you know, something, something happens that means that the idea kind of gets left behind a little bit. And um, I, I think in this time, one of the huge blessings um, was to be able to sit down and go, I've had this idea for ages. I really need to just like write up a proposal and, you know, maybe I just take a little bit of time and I write up this proposal and I have conversations about it and, and actually i think a, a huge a huge part of being an actor is what we call networking and it is meeting people and it is talking to people and it is forging connections and 
I would say that easily 50% of my career has been as a result of that. And you never know where something's going to go and what something's going to do. I think it's Michael Caine, like famously like wrote in his autobiography where he came from a, such a working class background that he's, he's just never said no to work. And so it means that Michael Caine's been in some terrible movies, but it also <laughs> means that he's been in some movies that were like pretty low budget and did really well. And he's just, he's just constantly been on your screen since, you know, since he first began, because he's just, if he's got a spare five days, he's going to go make that movie. Like, and I just think it's amazing. And, and, and I'm, and I'm kind of like that, but also what this time gave me was, was just time with my family that I don't normally get. Like my, my girls are uh, 11 and eight and you know, since, since I separated from their mom, I've never had this kind of, endless you know kind of like oh I've got like three days every single week consistently yeah. with them because you know I've had to go to Zurich for three months for work I lived in Frankfurt for six months once doing once doing a show like my work just takes me everywhere and so to be able to to sort of sit back and just do some of those other things and absolutely think laterally and just kind of go right well if if the process is not just going to be the next theater job and the next theater job and the next theater job, maybe I need to start thinking about, you know, creating a, a, an avenue in, in, in creating a TV show or creating an online drama or like, how, and how do we do that? Oh, we do it quite simply. Actually, we just do it. Like, yeah. um, and, uh, and it's, and it, and it's, it's quite cool. Like, um, it's quite cool to be able to have the time and to be forced into kind of making that happen in that way. Well, I think one of the things that I was reading recently and I kind of, you know, links directly to this is they say, you know, diamonds are made under pressure, right? And that's quite cliche. It's true. So sometimes the best ideas and the best things can happen when you are put under a bit of pressure because there's more, there's more to it then. And, you know, it's a perfect example with what, what you've done there. You Cause you could have sat on your ass and did nothing, mm. but you, you created something and it, um, it probably propelled you to where things are going to go moving forwards, right? Because you've just stayed active. And like you said, the, the guy you use as an example, it's, he's the, he was always there. And you've always been there in people's brains, you know, people that follow you, the people that are fans of you. They didn't just go, oh, Aaron's gone for three months because people may lose interest, but you were there. And I think that's really important because you need to be in people's faces, right? And doing good performances. Yeah, and I think it's, I think it's important as well, particularly as, uh, as an actor, to just keep, you know, just keep flexing. And, and actually like I've, um, you say flexing. Yeah. Yeah. Like, no, no, no. (laughs) Well, yeah, that as well. (laughs) Keep, um, to keep really like, you know, broadening your horizons as an actor and thinking in different ways. And, and I think that, um, one of the things that was really cool that, uh, that kind of came out of lockdown, um, was that, uh, we made a lot more theatre accessible for people um, via uh, the digital medium. You know, a, a lot of what has been filmed and created by uh, the National Theatre became available. And it, I think it sparked quite an interesting conversation about um, just how exclusive the industry has become. Theatre is very expensive to see. Um, and I say that as somebody that lives in Kent. So for me to get on a train and go and watch something, it's like like less than 10 quid. For someone that's coming from, you know, Bolton, it's 50, you know, 50, 60, 70 quid before they've even got there. Like, so how how do we make this um, inclusive? And 
and it, you know, it's like, it's exactly the same thing as I was saying about the, you know, the, the training thing before it's like, I hate the idea that someone walks onto a gym floor to try and better themselves and is sort of turned away by, um, by intimidation. Like that, that, that really, that really upsets me. That would really, it would make me feel bad for somebody that they, they felt that way. And, and one of the things that I tried to do with creating the series that I created was to kind of offer up Shakespeare in this very bite-sized way, but also in this way that, we were all for like the first time really in, in most people's living memory, we're living in exactly the same position. We were all in the same place. You know, even in the war, you could kind of say that like a lot of people were off fighting. Some people got relocated down to the countryside. Some people stayed in central. We were all in our homes. That was it. Like, unless you were a key worker, you were indoors. And that was that, you know, you could go out for a walk, but that's what you're doing. You're not going to the gym. You're not going out, meeting your friends. You know, everyone was in the same place. And so by being able to put this work into a place where people could uh, connect with it in that way was so important to me because Shakespeare had become this very dull thing that was taught at English literature and it had gone so far away from its its root and its meaning and its purpose in society and um and that's something that for me I really want to carry on and take forward and, and have and have discussions about like how do we how do we make you know theatre how do we make that for everybody you know we can't just we can't just surrender Christmas as this thing that like oh then everyone goes to whether it's panto or whether it's a Christmas show or that can be for everyone yeah. in the and just be for you know sort of the, the the rich you know i hate that i hate that idea I, 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 I want i want us to get to a place that if someone can't afford it or somebody um you know can't travel down for something it's like it's okay don't worry we're gonna have this show on in the west end for three months but then we're gonna film it and then we're gonna you know, stick it in cinemas for six weeks and then we're going to stick it on DVD and the life and the performances that are in there can live on forever. And so I'm really hoping that that's what the pandemic brings this, this area of, of, of my industry. And it just brings it into the modern day rather than being like 500 years behind everything else. <laughs> yeah. Literally, I think that's a great point that I didn't think about with, with your industry, but the fitness industry picks it up quite quickly. Whereas you know, people couldn't go to gyms and do classes. So everyone was live streaming. Everyone was recording things that could be watched again of good quality. But, you know, you might have a really good niche there of going, right, we've got this show and maybe you can't travel to see it, but, you know, you can stream it through here and still you could, you know, connect it to your TV and watch it with your family and enjoy a wicked show if you can't necessarily afford to go and see something in the West End, but there's still a quality, amazing show that someone could watch and experience what you should experience from a theatre show from the comfort of their own home or for a cheaper price. You know, I think that's a, again, something wicked that, oh, <laughs> excuse, <laughs> the, excuse the pun. It's something that's wicked that's come out of, you know, all of this that that would be more accessible to people, you know, and I felt the same with workouts that maybe people couldn't come and afford to go to David Lloyd and come and do my classes. You know, I didn't have a membership that I trained with me, but for you know that three months or whatever where I wasn't working I did workouts two or three times a week for free for people to join in and do that with so I, I feel you on that one where you know it just opened you know giving a quality of what you do to people 
from everywhere and making that more inclusive to everyone. So there's definitely some positives that I guess for the industries can come from it. Um, but I'm really interested to see where you take it from now, you know, cause I feel yeah. like you do what you do, but do you have any sort of plans moving forwards of like ideas about giving too much away, obviously of what you want to do kind of moving forwards? Yeah, I've got, I mean, I've always got, I've always got plans and I've always got grand ideas, mainly they're tailored around uh, thing parts and roles that I want to play. Um, I'm not one of these people that sort of sits here and kind of goes, I just want to go to Hollywood. Like that's, that's too, it's too vague for me. Like it's, there has to be a reason that I'm going and the reason has to be that part, that role, this, you know, I'm not, um, I'm not bothered enough by kind of going, Oh, I just want to be on an American TV show. Like most of them are filmed in Slovenia anyway. It doesn't matter. (laughs) um, People probably don't know that though. (laughs) Yeah. 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 So for, for, for me, um, you know, there's, there's things like, ugh, I'd just be mortified if I finished my career and I hadn't played Hamlet. That would be the worst thing ever. Like, just genuinely, <laughs> I'd be like, I, the whole thing was pointless. Like, I failed. Um, so there's, there's, always, there's always something um, driving me forward and, and, and pushing me on. And um, I think the older I get, the more it needs to work to my family life as well and, and my and the personal things that are going on in my life, like, you know, maybe I jump in and do a show for six months that I'm not in love with, but it's going to pay me really well because I've got, I want to take my family here and do this with my family. Like, you know, so I think there's always, there's always compromise. And I think that I've always found quite a healthy balance with compromise throughout my career, but you know, I got myself in a good position. Like I own my home and, um, you know, we, we've got, great sort of out of work things that that we do you know whether it's uh you know gigs or jumping on off of cruise ships for a week and doing a bit of a guest entertainment just to pay bills so i never feel too forced into taking a job because i need the money which is great um but there's certainly plans and 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 hopefully plans that i put into motion during this time that could definitely um be pretty massive if they come off so you know fingers crossed you never know love that but I think one thing I've got you know that I knew from you anyway but especially during this time is that you can tell that your character um just not characters in what you play just your actual character Mm. is very much about passion like which I love and I think a lot of people need to hear and have a bit more of because in your position where you've done some of the things you've done you could be very easy to just you know go and do this show or go and do that. But the fact that you like to choose things that are based around morally, what's, you know, important for you, family, um, what you love, what, what you want to achieve and the passion. I think that's something that's really important because so many people just do things because they think it's cool or they think it's the right thing to do or it's going to look good. Whereas you just do it for passion. And I think that's the key with mindset to feeling quite content in yourself, right? Uh, family-wise and career-wise, you do oh. it with you do it with purpose. Well, you know, how do you measure success? You can only measure success in happiness. Like, if you can look back personally on on your entire um, life and just kind of go, yeah, ninety-nine percent of the time I was happy. Like, I'd say that's pretty. That's a pretty good innings. Like, you know, um, I think. Um, it's very, I think it's very easy, um, 
in particularly in my career to sort of like measure yourself by other people's success and what you deem to be successful and I think you know prime example of that is someone like you someone like Heath Ledger who at like 26 you know turned in a performance like the Joker in the Dark Knight which was one of those things that you go never never gonna be able to do that like that's insane and he yeah. did it 26 and you're just like but there's so many you know there's so many outside you know uh, I don't know if you've ever seen the film What's Eating Gilbert Grey, but it's got like a 14-year-old Leonardo DiCaprio in and he's like Oscar nominated for it. And you're just like, how? <laughs> how are you that good at that age? Um, and so it's very, I think it's very easy to sort of look around other people and kind of go, and this again, I suppose this ties into the gym, isn't it? Look around at other people and kind of go, well, they're there and I'm here. But for me, I've just kind of, it's very very simplified things in my head and kind of gone um I always talk about with with jobs there's like there's like three tick points and it's like whether something's artistically fulfilling and so that gets a tick um whether the circumstances around it are are good so whether it's in like a nice location or cast a gray or like, you know, all the circumstances around the job. And if that's good, then that's a tick. And then the third one is like financial, like how, you know, how does it sit financially? And if that's good, then it's a tick. I would say in 13 years now that I've been an actor that I've only ever done maybe two jobs that have had all three boxes ticked. But if you've got two ticked, then you're okay. You know, like... Because um, you're still happy, it's, right? But yeah, exactly, because there's there's enough about it. So whether it's that you're artistically fulfilled and you love the theatre and you love the cast and you love everything like that, you know, the money might not be perfect, but like I'm getting enough from the other two that mean that all round it's a you know it's a great job and I'll and I'll have fond memories of it. Um, and like I say, like every so often you get one that's all three and you just go, that that was a job to end your career on. Like it's yeah. so good, but it's so 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 rare. Um, and so, for, yeah, for me, I just, I'm always looking at that and like, li- listen, nine times out of 10, there's stuff that doesn't come off. You know, I go in for an audition. I'm like, oh, I want this one, man. I really want to do this. I really, really want to do this play or like, and it doesn't come off. And then I think um, the real key and the real trick uh, that, that I think you have to crack as an actor, um, if you're going to last, is being able to almost just brush brush it you know brush that that knock back off and just go carry on that's you know it's part of the journey um that takes a while to get used to there's some that just really really kick you like really kick you yeah Uh, but we get setbacks all the time and i think um i think that's where uh i've you know i found with like my training and 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 my nutrition and my exercise like all, all components of that where like am I where I want to be? Never. Like, you know, I'm never, I'm never in a position that I go like, I am peak right now. Absolutely peak right now. But like a lot of the time I can find enough happiness in all round of, you know, of my life. Like there'll be times that my nutrition's a bit crap, but like, you know, I'm, I'm on holiday or I'm doing whatever, or like, you know, it's fine. I'm going to allow myself that little time of like bad nutrition. I'll be back on the two weeks time or in a week's time or whatever. And I, and I think that I found that balance with that of kind of going, well, that's what keeps me happy. That's what keeps me happy 
is that I can be disciplined uh, 90% of the time, but that 10% of the time I've got to have it. Otherwise it's just, it's just all a, all a crazy blur. And like, um, so yeah, like I think it's um, the two things I find really work, work well for me in, in tandem is the kind of the training and nutrition and my work sort of a great all round um, kind of philosophy that I just find works for me in every avenue of that. Most definitely. And I think what's interesting is that maybe people wouldn't have maybe put together nutrition and training and acting, but a lot of the disciplines are, as we found quite evidently in this, the same, like pushing through mindset, changing up what you're doing, adapting. There's so much to it. And I also think balance there is so key because there needs to be balance with health and fitness and gym as a whole, but also with the work that you do. And I think going back to your three checkpoints there, which is really interesting is that although you may not have had say the financial tick point, the work that you did being artistically, you know, involved with something could lead to a job that gets you that financially, you know, fulfilled job. So as you said, it's about doing something for the right reasons and finding that balance. And I think they, you know, talking about, you know, law of attraction and stuff that could give you a knock on effect. You could do a great show, maybe not get paid as much, but if someone will see that and go, we need him for this role and that's when you'll get that. So it's just about steaming forwards and doing all the things you need to, to make you happy. And as you said, you'll, uh, you'll get to your success points and they all lead to each other, I believe. And it looks like you've got a real good balance uh, of all of that, which is, which is great, man. And it's the, it's the steps, isn't it as well? I think it's, it's so easy for us. Um, whether it's us in the gym, seeing that dude that's like six foot and enormous and going <laughs> like, like, like he didn't just walk into the gym like that one day. He didn't just wake up at like 18 and just go, Oh my God, I'm absolutely massive. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's been a journey for that guy. And, and, and it's taken, you know, sacrifice and, uh, and a, a hell of a lot of negotiation throughout his life to, to, to get where he's got to. And I think um, it's exactly the same in, in my career and in, 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 in our industry where like you, you flick on the TV and, you know, like Olivia Coleman is like in everything and like winning every single award. But then you go back like, I don't know, like 20 years and there's like one scene of her in the office and you go, oh, right. Like, <laughs> but you know, yeah. these are just steps that, that she took along, along her journey to, to get where she's got to. And, you know, there's, I've worked with some just like amazing older actors, just incredible, like older actors. So I've been like, I haven't seen you in like every going program, but like, I'm sitting here reading your biog and I'm like, damn, like you've done some <laughs> insanely yeah. good stuff that I would just love to do. And it's part of the journey. Like it's part of the journey, you know. Um, you've got to, I think you can't just jump into the Royal Shakespeare Company playing Henry V. Maybe you've got to go do it at the Barn Theatre in Sirencester, you know. Like it's, we'll, you know, take the steps, hopefully progress in the right way and and always be willing to listen and always be willing to learn and always be willing to accept that you um, you don't know everything. There's still so much that you can learn all the time. Right. Always. Um, and I, you know, hopefully the pandemic's been a huge eye opener for that. Cause I like, I, if you went through my Twitter, go, go to like February of my Twitter, 
I was like slagging off this pandemic as just like, ah, you've got more chance of catching like a cold than the coronavirus. <laughs> Nothing. It's never gonna, you know. I, you know, standing on my treadmill, putting in my two pence, thought I knew everything about illness. You know, it's just really shaken us up, and and has uh, hopefully has made a lot of people uh, sit up and take note and, and listen and kind of go, oh, actually, there's still so much to learn and so much to know in life, and. Um, and I think that, you know, really ties in for me all the time with like my training and, and my application and, um, you know, something will come along, I'll, I'll get into sort of like, not necessarily a rut, but I'll just get into like a really samey pattern. And yeah. then something will come along and go, we tried doing this. And I think if you shut it down straight away, you're never going to learn. You know, mm-hmm. I love the idea of kind of going, no, I haven't. I'm going to give this one a go now. No, you know, it's just yeah. so it's uh it's just, it's just it's just life really isn't it it's just the same it is, thing in life. It's a complete journey and i think as you said throughout this it's always about and one thing that is i think quite good for people to know is that even with the things that you've done and the amazing shows that you've you've been on and theater shows you're still sitting there saying there's still so much for me to learn and i think that's really important for people to acknowledge with any success whether it be in the gym or your career, or even just as a person, you have to be open to know that one, you're never going to know it all, but also the more open you are to hearing these things, the more successful you'll, you'll definitely be, which leads me on to with you, with people that want to gain their own success, whether it be career-wise, fitness, or as themselves, do you have any sort of main, uh, sort of anything that you live by or tips that you could give people uh, to help them gain their own success? Um, I think it's really key um, to to um, to just educate yourself as much as you possibly can. Um, you know, I think uh, again, I think this year has been just a huge eye opener to that. But um, a prime example for me was when I was I was doing Henry V. Um, I was casting. I don't know if I was in rehearsals yet. I think I might have been actually. But um, uh, an actor that I knew who had so much more experience than me um whose career i just idolize um and who weirdly i'm talking to today about about something as well um i got in touch with him he we went through this process at eastenders we had this really awesome producer for a while called sean o'connor he really recognized that um while we were at that show there was still so much development for us to do as, as young actors and he really wanted to equip uh, all the young actors that went in there to sort of leave there at some point and progress and get better. And, and it was such an amazing thing that he put together where, where we had various different practitioners come in and talk to us. The resistance that was met by 90% of the actors was unreal. Like it, it was like they'd been told they were all rubbish and that they needed to basically go back to school. And I was like, I was like, what are you talking about? Like, we've got, you know, we've got like Patsy Rodenberg coming in to talk to us about voice. I was like, do you understand that? Like, she's <laughs> the person that gets Jude Law ready by Hamlet on Broadway. Like, you know, like, let's talk to this woman. And, um, and one of the guys that came in was this actor called Joe Milson. And, and uh, we just had, so happened to be playing Henry V at the same time. And so I just contacted him. I was just like, can I just pick your brains about it? And his response just straight back was just like, I love that you're doing that. He was like, I love that you're doing that. Like, and we, we spoke for two hours about, about a role that we were both about to play. 
Um, I had things that changed his mind. He had things that changed my mind. You know, it was just that kind of having that conversation about something that made you go, do you know what? I'd never thought of that before. And he's now my go-to. I talk to him all the time about stuff. Yeah. I, I had an audition. Um, obviously the show didn't end up happening in the end because it was earlier this year, but I had an audition for a show in which this young, it's a it's really old play called Cow on a Hot Tin Roof. It was a movie as well, Paul Newman and um, Elizabeth Taylor, I think. And uh, it's written by a guy called Tennessee Williams, amazing, like really famous uh, American writer. And this character is just this American football player who's clearly got su suppressed homosexuality and, and he's just drinking himself to death. And Joe just said to me, he just said, like, just get a bottle of water or whatever and just put it on the other side of the room. And he was like, and just treat it like a drip. Every single time it just runs out, just get up, stand up, walk over. But just don't, don't break the scene. Like, carry on talking, carry on the whole scene. Just fill up the bowl, fill up your glass. Just walk back over, sit down, carry on. When you finish that one, just walk back over and just keep <laughs> doing it. And just keep, just keep doing it. And I was like, that's such a great idea. And um, I, th I think that's, that's key. Whether it's uh, me in the gym and seeing someone doing an exercise that I can't quite like I kind of go what like sorry what are you what are you training like there when you're doing that and he's like oh it's my um I'm trying to train my glute medius and you're like all oh, right and then go and educate myself about kind of going what's this and um one of the things getting older I started to feel like pain in certain like you know different places and I'd be like why is that aching so much and like go and check it out oh and it turns out like this muscle that I've never trained is is really weak and like you know and it's part of my core and like actually i really need to train this and so for me just the big thing is to just always keep the conversation going always keep educating yourself and asking the questions and not just assuming that that you know you know and and i think that there's a big fear of 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 seeming like you don't know anything and people want to be clued in and, and knowledgeable and and absolutely i used to be that guy and um and and now i i love admitting that i don't know everything about a situation because hopefully there's something that i can learn about it yeah. um and i think that's key i think it's key in just every walk of life i think in your career if you can um ask questions and and, and, and educate yourself fundamentally you're just gonna you, you can only become better doing that. You can only become more equipped and, and more capable by just constantly um, increasing your knowledge of a topic and a situation. Oh no, mate, I, com I completely agree. That is a, a massive key for most people and a lot of it is ego. Um, mm. book actually you might like called Ego is the Enemy by a guy called Ryan Holiday. Right. It's all about that stuff. Great book. But it's all about basically dropping that guard and going, it's okay. <laughs> just let it happen. Talk, yeah. educate yourself, ask questions. And straight away, just as a person, you feel so much more, I think, fulfilled when, and I think people appreciate, as you said, the fact that you, the guy you spoke to loved the fact that you came and spoke to him. It's not like, oh, don't talk to me. I don't want to know. Most yeah, people yeah, yeah. help. And you can get some uh, amazing gems from people just by picking their brains. So, yeah, mate, I, can, I completely agree with that one. Absolutely, so, mate. Mate, thank you very much for coming onto the podcast. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you, and we definitely need to hook up and do a gym session. Maybe not legs. Uh, <laughs> at some point soon. Um, 
but no mate is there anything that you wanted to plug out there at the moment that people can go and watch with you so I'm I'm just about to be uh, doing uh, like I said the one man show again. It's called Buyer and Seller. Um, it's you know what it's the perfect thing right now. It's it's the kind of thing that you just go you just leave the world at the door and just come and listen to a ridiculous story and just laugh and 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 it and it's that and um, that will be running from the oh this is where I'm terrible <laughs> plugging things <laughs> and never know the dates or anything that I'm doing. Cool. It's from the 12th of October until the 8th of November um, and it's at a theatre in Vauxhall called Above the Stag um, and then after that do you know what really 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 rare situation where I have no idea what's coming after that because <laughs> well I'm sure you're going to come up with some sort of amazing idea after that because yeah, of probably. Uh, you've, you've got the thinking there but yeah guys make sure you go and check Aaron out he's an amazing person amazing actor and you're going to love anything uh, that, that you go and see of his but once again, mate, thank you very much for joining me. Uh, it's been a pleasure and I wish you all the success moving forwards uh, and I'm sure you'll get it and you deserve it. Cheers, bro. I'll speak to you soon. Cheers, man.